Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready? This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, what's up, what's up, people? This is Rich. It's My Take Radio, episode 25 for Thursday, January 7th, 2010. The intro music you just heard was The Omen of Geneva. The artist is Neko Frog 1, N-E-K-O Frog 1. If you'd like to download that or any of the other music used in previous shows, you can head over to ocremix.org. If you'd like to call in tonight to discuss any of tonight's topics, the telephone number is 347-324-3541. Um, I'm hoping all of you guys had a great holiday, a Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, all that bullshit. Um, it's back to business. A lot of things happened in the three weeks that I took some time off. I rested my voice and also took the time to work on MyTakeRadio.com. If you get the opportunity, roll over to MyTakeRadio.com and check out all the new stuff that has been added. Amongst the things that have been added is the ability to listen to previous episodes of MyTakeRadio directly on the site with a player that's embedded. Um, the Twitter feed is there. Um, things are more categorized. They're a little bit more cleaned up. There's going to be some HTML uh, work that I'm going to have to do, but since I don't know how to do HTML that good yet, and I'm really hesitant about digging into the website. I'm going to do that little by little. But in other news, something else that was added to MyTakeRadio.com is the debut of the MyTakeRadio forum. You can find that by heading over to MyTakeRadio.com slash forums, plural, not forum. In case any of you guys do that, you're going to get a do not um, page cannot be displayed. So it is MyTakeRadio.com slash forums. Um, it's, you know, not the, not the best forum yet. There's, you know, a lot of things that need to be done, but, um, got a good number of people already on there posting. Um, you'll be able to talk about anything that's discussed on the show. And I've also added, um, subjects and, um, main categories for, you know, toys, comics, which, you know, people were clamoring for, um, a deeper video game forum, also a wrestling and MMA forum broken down by organization. Um, in addition, there will be some other things being added over the next few days. I will be adding custom avatars. I am working on also putting a chat application that should be ready, I'm hoping, by the end of the month. So definitely stop by, check it out, show everybody a little love. Um, Slick is the mod in there. So uh, props to Slick. Slick is officially one of the moderators for the MyTakeRadio.com forums. He is the wielder of the banhammer, so please, if you're in the forum, show a little uh, decorum because your ass will get banned or put in bozo status. Um, little thing I wanted to let you guys know about, if you're put in bozo status, that pretty much means you can only read the forum, and any post that you try to put can only be read by you and no one else. 
So I ask, of course, don't be put in bozo status because right after that, the clowns get hammered. That's pretty much it. So, you know, go in there, hang out, shoot the shit, and enjoy yourselves. More stuff is going to be added momentarily. Um, MyTakeRadio.com will be growing by leaps and bounds within the next few weeks. There's going to be a lot of crazy shit happening. Um, Rachel from MMA Hot Stuff was scheduled to stop in today. Um, since I put up that post earlier, something actually came up. She has a really cool special announcement that she wanted to share with the My Take Radio listeners. Unfortunately, she will not be able to be here tonight, but she will be back next week, hopefully. I'm also working on having Kurt from the Transformers Source Forum come in and uh, you know share his views on basically the movie and you know the action figure line, the franchise in general, just because. Every time Transformers or any of the stuff from my childhood comes up, uh, it seems that many of the 80s babies that are in the chat room get it, uh, you know, they get a little up in arms depending on how it's handled. So that'll be pretty cool, and I'm more than sure that Slick as well as Ant will definitely want to talk to that guy. So um, definitely make sure you listen that week that he's in. And uh, last but not least, the art contest. Of course, I have been trying for the longest to put the winners up. And it, it was really tough. I got a lot of great submissions from a lot of a lot of you listeners that have done fantastic work. Um, many thanks to Ark for her submission, Heartless for his, Nisi for hers, Soiled, um, Rob Prophet, who's probably not in the chat, and um, many, many of the others that put in work, you know, trying to help grow the brand. First off, in second place, the winner of the art contest is Soiled. His banner, um, you know, definitely fell in line with something I was looking for. Um, for those of you that didn't get a chance to check out his entry, you can go to the Facebook fan page and check that out. And the first place uh, prize goes to Nisi, who is new to the My Take Radio audience. She's been around uh, the last couple of months. She put in a really nice logo beautiful. It captured the essence of the show. Um, props to Nisi. Nisi, um, I know you're in the chat. Congratulations. You get the first place prize. And, um, you know, definitely get up with me. That's why I've been trying to get at you because we need to discuss that. So congrats to Nisi and um, congrats to Soiled. Um, Ark, I loved your entry. You know, we had a little bit of miscommunication in terms of what you wanted. But me and you are going to link up for something bigger than the logo. So, you know, take, take heed in those words. Um, Rob Prophet also, his logo, Dynamite, but his logo will be applied towards something else. And, you know, that's going to be coming in the next few weeks. It's going to definitely involve some sort of merchandising. So be on the lookout for that because we're going to make this big. That's going to conclude all the housekeeping for this week. Again, head over to MyTakeRadio.com. Check out all the new shit that's there. Head over to MyTakeRadio.com slash forums. And, you know, join the forums. Shoot the shit with some of the people that are there. Uh, you might learn a thing or two. And it just gives you more of an opportunity to interact um, with me as well as all the other fans of the show. So, with that said, let's get into this week's stuff. MMA news. A lot happened um, during the three weeks I was off. Um, first off, you know, we had UFC 108, which was Rashad Evans fighting against Thiago Silva as the main event. I'm not going to go too crazy covering it just because 
Um, I'm going to be honest. The card on paper was not a card that I would go and drop, um, you know, 50 bucks for. Um, the prelims that Spike gave on free TV were fantastic. Um, Dan Lazan, um, brother of Joe Lazan, who also fought on the card, fought Cole Miller. Um, Cole Miller used one of the most unique submissions I've ever seen. It was a, a inverted triangle choke as well as a Kimura. It was just perfectly well executed. He won by submission in round one. I definitely enjoyed that fight. Great fight for free TV. Um, Mark Munoz also came in. He did a, he had a great fight against Ryan Jensen. That dude is a beast. Um, he's a Filipino, so I'm more than sure Hyena is going to need to look him up. So if you're in the chat, Hyena, look up Mark Munoz's uh, sub, uh, victory over Ryan Jensen from UFC 108. Also, Gilbert Evil, who was uh, uh, just a great fighter, that dude is a maniac, was fighting Junior Dos Santos. I actually had Dos Santos uh, losing and Evil taking it, but Dos Santos won by TKO with strikes in round one. Just a great fight overall. Um, of course, Sam Stout fought the other Lazan brother, Joe Lazan, and um, I really thought Joe Lazan was going to take it with... You know, he has really good jiu-jitsu, and I thought he was going to go in there and handle his business, but, you know, Sam Stout took it by unanimous decision, so props to Sam Stout on that performance. Uh, Paul Semtex Daly and Dustin Hazlitt were just just a fantastic fight. Um, Paul Daly is a, is a maniac. He's a really humble dude, but when he means to talk that shit, yo, he, he puts it out there. He did his thing, and... Um, Nonetheless, uh, Semtex came in and did his thing and won by knockout, left hook, and strikes in round one. Um, it's being rumored that his next opponent is going to be Josh Koscheck. We'll see what happens. Nonetheless, um, props to Semtex for the awesome victory. Before I go any further, I really got to say that some of these guys have some really crazy fucking nicknames, and the other guys got... You know, there's guys that got great nicknames and guys that got really shitty ones. You know, Paul Semtex Daily is weird, of course. You're going to listen and you're going to be like, what kind of a fucking nickname is that? Fucking bullshit. But it's actually, Semtex is a type of explosive, so it's really cool that he used something a little more original. I mean, you, you got a, a thousand pit bulls, guys going by the pit bull, going by, you know, the crippler, going by the assassin. So, you know, definitely props to him for coming up with an original nickname. Um, moving on, of course, Diago Silva and Rashad Evans. I was really hoping Diago Silva would whoop Rashad Evans' ass. Unfortunately, I did not get my wish, and Rashad won by unanimous decision 29-28. Um, basically, I really felt that the fight could have gone either way, but the fact is that it's, you know, it happens, and... I really wanted Rashad to lose, but him winning gives me the fight that I need to see, which is Rampage and Rashad, and I'm hoping Rampage comes in there and puts him to sleep. A lot of people give me shit for not liking Rashad Evans. It's not that I don't like him, but I just dislike his presentation as a fighter. You know, he, you know, he, did try, he tries to be too hood with it when he fights. It's like, you know, if I wanted to watch fights in the projects, I'd go to the projects. I, um, overall, eh, you know, over the card was, it delivered, 
you know, based on people shitting on it, but it wasn't, you know, one of the greatest cards out there. But one of the, be- you know, a good card that's coming up on free TV is going to be UFC Fight Night. That's live January 11th on Spike. The main event is going to be Gray the Bully Maynard versus Nate Diaz. That's going to be just a fantastic fight. I think that um, those guys are going to go in there and put on a show. You're also going to see Ultimate Fighter winner Efrain Escudero. You're also going to see Tom Lawler versus Aaron Simpson. Ultimate Fighter winner Amir Sadal is going to be on that card. Chris Lieben is going to be on that card. And the returning Jesse Forbes is going to be on that card fighting uh, Nick Catone, the Jersey Devil. So definitely a great card for free TV. So if you've got Spike TV, check it out. Like I said, it's free, it's free MMA on you know, on Spike, so definitely worth checking out. The next UFC event is going to be UFC 109. That's February 6th. Main event is going to be Randy Couture and Mark Coleman. So that's enough of that recap. Oh, shit, I can't forget the boys from WEC. If you have um, the Versus Network, you can check out World Extreme Cage Fighting, which is another division of the UFC. Um, You're going to have Jamie Varner versus Ben Henderson. They're going to be unifying the lightweight titles. You're also going to have the return of the California kid, Uriah Faber. Also, Mike Brown's going to be on that card. So check it out if you got versus uh, 9 p.m. Eastern. So definitely check that out. Moving on through the rest of the MMA news, for those of you um, that have been trying to find out what's going on with Brock Lesnar, um, it seems that he is going through some dietary changes in order to see how his intestinal surgery is going to heal. Nonetheless, if it's a good report, he should be ready to start training and fighting in a few months. If he gets a bad diagnosis, then he's probably going to need more surgery, in which case he'll be out for a minimum of two years, in which case um, the interim title fight between Frank Mir and Shane Carwin at 111 will be for the heavyweight championship instead of the interim title. So we'll see where that goes. I think, you know, Brock Lesnar is in a bad shape, especially coming off these intestinal issues and hopefully he can uh you know he can raise his game and come back and defend his belt accordingly but we'll see what happens um also spike tv will be debuting the best of pride next week january 15th um for those of you unfamiliar with pride uh guys like vandalay silver rampage chuck liddell shogun all those guys fought in pride in japan just violent violent fights um, I want to see if Spike is going to edit them or is going to ed- um, show them unedited. So definitely check that out January 15th. It's going to be every Friday night after that at 10 p.m. according to MMAJunkie.com. Uh, what's left? Oh, welterweight champion George St. Pierre has Olympic aspirations for 2012. Um, he would like to represent his home country of Canada in the Olympic Games in freestyle wrestling. Um, he's even gone as far as saying that if he does get the opportunity, he's willing to vacate the welterweight title. Um, I honestly think that it's really cool to see MMA athletes um, branching out into other avenues, but to have an MMA athlete in the Olympics is really big um, for the sport and also for Canada just because George St. Pierre is so highly recognized and He's a great ambassador for the sport, so if he does compete in the Olympics, that'll be an awesome thing to see, especially um, in regards to him competing at freestyle wrestling. So whatever his decision is, um, I wish him the best of luck. The UFC recently signed 
uh, Takanori Gomi to a multi-fight deal. He is supposedly going to be debuting against Kenny Florian. Gomi was the former Pride lightweight champion. I'm hoping that when they show the best of Pride over the coming weeks, you'll be able to see some of his fights. He is a fucking animal. So definitely want to see Gomi in the UFC. And uh, am I leaving anything out? Nope. That's pretty much it. That's going to wrap up the MMA segment for this week. Let's talk some wrestling because a whole bunch of shit went down. Um, the big thing being January 4th, uh, TNA Impact debuted on Monday night against Monday Night Raw. Off the bat, a lot of hype going on. WWE had um, the big guns out. They were doing, of course, the whole guest hosting thing, but this week's guest host was none other than WWE Hall of Famer, the legendary Bret Hart. Um, definitely a great appearance by the Hitman. They played up his beef with Shawn Michaels and the Montreal Screwjob, which, of course, has been beaten to death. Um, there was a reconciliation, so to speak, between Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. I don't know how scripted and how realistic it was, but it definitely was something that, uh, you know, it was pretty historic just because those guys genuinely hated each other and, you know, they kind of settled their beef um, in front of the crowd for the better of the business. Like I said, whether it was partially scripted, completely scripted, or, or, you know, just real dialogue between the two, it was actually pretty historic seeing him on Monday Night Raw since he hasn't been there in 12 years. Of course, Bret Hart's appearance wouldn't be complete without the setup of Vince McMahon and Bret Hart feuding, because, of course, that's what it's going to lead to. It, of course, ended with Bret Hart and Vince McMahon having a face-to-face. Um, Bret Hart thought that Vince was going to give him a handshake and an apology. Of course, there was a kick in the balls from Vince to Bret, which, of course, is going to set up some sort of feud, which will probably culminate with Bret fighting Vince at WrestleMania, which uh, such a fucking train wreck. But, you know... I don't write the shit, so, I mean, it was just really cool from a nostalgia standpoint seeing Bret Hart on TV. Um, we'll see what happens next week. WWE must have thought that they were going to get a 4.0 rating. They did good ratings-wise, but not. They weren't fucking setting the fucking TV on fire. So, nonetheless, with that said, definitely props to WWE for develop for delivering a solid show. Um, definitely not a fan of Sheamus being the champion. I personally think that it's too much too soon. And, you know, we'll see what happens leading to WrestleMania. TNA, on the other hand, came out fucking guns blazing. Those dudes came out ready to make a statement. Of course, for those of you that aren't aware, TNA recently went into partnership with Hulk Hogan. And um, the partnership supposedly is just uh, from a business standpoint with Hulk Hogan helping TNA become a better company, um, acquiring new talent, um, getting more leverage. And the battle, the debut on Monday night against WWE was a test run, and the intention is to possibly move Impact to Monday nights to compete against Raw, which is pretty cool. Um, Hogan came out, of course, to open the show right after the Steel Asylum match. And a lot of special guests, a lot of crazy things happened. During the Steel Asylum match, uh, Jeff Hardy debuted with TNA. Um, Jeff Hardy, as you know, left WWE and was arrested for drug charges. His uh, court case is still pending, but rather than going back to WWE, he debuted with TNA. Um, There was also the appearance of Scott Hall and Sean X-Pac Waltman. 
Of course, dissension was teased, and the reformation of the NWO slash Outsiders was also teased. Uh, the Nasty Boys popped up out of nowhere. It was like fucking WCW all over again. Um, the TNA Knockout Tag Team match with Hamada and Awesome Kong was fantastic. Um, the push for D'Angelo De Niro was cool. The main event between AJ Styles and Kurt Angle, definitely a four-star match, match of the year. But three things that I found wrong with TNA's complete presentation. You have a wealth of new talent. You didn't do anything with your heavyweight champion AJ Styles till at least two out, nearly two hours into the program. You focused on way too many backstage skits. And these old guys you're bringing in, I can understand if you're bringing old guys that can actually do something for the company and help new talent, but the fucking nasty boys, has anybody seen Hogan Knows Best and seen these two old fucks? It's, it's ridiculous. And on top of that, they're building a feud between them and Team 3D slash AKA the Dudley Boys. And it's just, the only way I see that feud working is in some type of a hardcore match with chairs and fucking people getting hit with garbage cans and shit. That's the only way that match is going to work because the Nasty Boys cannot fucking wrestle. Not happening. Of course, they borrowed a little bit of old WCW with Sting watching everything unfold from the rafters. It's like, what the fuck is this? Is this really 1998 all over again? From a nostalgia standpoint, it was cool seeing, you know, Scott Hall come out and, you know, do the, hey, yo, and all that shit. All of that was really cool, and I like that. But if that's what I'm going to be forced to watch every week, it's going to suck completely. Unless they start bringing in new talent, pushing new talent, and growing the existing guys that are there, TNA is not going to try, not going to make any headway competing against the WWE. They're not. Not with this bullshit. And before I even move on from this, who the fuck told TNA to bring Bubba the Douche Sponge into the company to be their backstage guy? I mean, Eric Bischoff is fine, you know, he's cool, and he can do a lot of shit, and he's done a lot for the business, but what the fuck does Bubba, shit dick, the love sponge, have to do with wrestling? Nothing. He's Hogan's flunky, he has his little radio show, and, you know, he tries to be this pseudo-tough guy, it, it, no. And you know what, it's not even me trying to beef at Bubba, because I've listened to his show, because as a wrestling fan, you know, a lot of wrestlers stop there, and you know, good news come out of the show which is fantastic, but the fact is that his show is just hacky, and he's, he's just not the kind of dude that you should be having doing backstage interviewing, because he's like, oh, the Bubba Army, and blah, no one gives a fuck about you, you fat zero, it's like, go back to doing your fucking show on satellite radio, talking shit about ONA and Stern behind their back, and then, you know, denying it and shitting in your shorts when you get confronted about it, go back to doing that. Because honestly, you fucking suck. That being said, that's my little rant for the uh, Monday Night Wars. We'll see what happens with TNA on Thursday and see if the ratings momentum will continue since they had record viewers. They were also a trending topic on Twitter. They were covered on ESPN. They, you know, it definitely garnered TNA a lot of well-deserved attention. I just think, oh, Ant just reminded me, thanks, Ant. Nothing completed that episode of TNA Impact than the appearance of the one and only Nature Boy, Ric Flair, who um, they're teasing something with him and AJ Styles. 
Who knows if they turn AJ heel and Ric Flair works with him. Who knows? But definitely cool seeing Ric Flair there. But once again, flashbacks of 1990s WCW. Definitely not something that I uh, was excited about. But we'll see what happens Thursday. With that being said, uh, the last bit of wrestling news, I'd like to send my condolences to the family of Dr. Death, Steve Williams, who passed away on December 30th. Uh, Dr. Death is... uh, one of the, the genuine tough dudes in the business. That dude, he was in the brawl for it all way back when, in, when, when it was WWE was WWF. He um, also was managed at one point by Jim Ross. He also appeared in WCW. The guy's been all over the place. He's a legend in Japan, and he was, you know, he lost a battle with cancer. So my condolences go to the family of Dr. Death, Steve Williams. And the last bit of news is the departure of Tommy Dreamer from WWE. Tommy Dreamer was the last original ECW roster member in the company. He left ECW live on television, I believe it was last Tuesday, in a career match versus Zack Ryder. Um, It was very nice because they allowed him to speak to the crowd. And, uh, you know, it was pretty cool. They allowed him to handle his business and, you know, say goodbye to the fans accordingly. So definitely uh, props to WWE for giving Tommy Dreamer a little a little screen time so he can say goodbye to the fans. That being said, we're going to wrap up the wrestling segment and head into some video game news, especially because CES is this week. Um, there's a Mac, an Apple event at the end of the month. There's way too much shit going on in technology and gaming to not get into it. Number one off the bat, is, of course, Microsoft's keynote at CES. Uh, Robbie Bach put out some crazy numbers that Xbox has done. Number one, Xbox sold over 10 million consoles in 2009 and has sold 39 million consoles worldwide. I wonder, out of all those 39 million consoles that have been sold, how many of them have been Red Ring of Death consoles that have had to be bought more than once. You know, not to be a dick, but, you know, 39 million consoles when the first generation of them were riddled with the fucking Red Ring of Death, some of which are still popping up. I mean, my Xbox held out five years and died. It was one of the first consoles I've owned in a long time to fucking keel over and die. So, you know, nice numbers, but don't, you know, don't go and and tout that without talking about the shit that some of those numbers can be attributed to people having to buy a second, and in some cases, a third fucking console. Um, He also went on to add that Xbox Live had a new member join every second during Christmas week, which is really fucking impressive. But you know what it is? Xbox Live has a fantastic platform. It's really weird. But one of the things that is really impressive is the fact that... um, Xbox Live got that, uh, you know, they went up 2.2 million people used it over the holiday week. That's up 47% from the previous year. And it's funny that it was all during the holiday week. From December 14th to January 3rd, the Xbox Live community spent over 650 million hours online. Our very own Slick was one of the people that contributed to that time by putting in many, many hours into 1 versus 100, which paid off because... My Take Radio's very own Slick was chosen as the one and proceeded to win 6,000 Microsoft points on one versus 100. 
Um, My Take Radio, of course, would love to congratulate Slick on his little accomplishment. Definitely big things, especially because he was really close to getting the highest score in one versus 100. And, you know, really cool. Definitely kudos to him. And those of you that are in the forum, definitely extend your congratulations to Slick for his little achievement. I honestly hope that he does become the one again so he can go in there and really kick some ass. Um, I personally have not been playing 1 versus 100 because there's way too many other things to do, but I'm going to try and get on there because some of the categories that they do put up, I can probably do good in. Am I ever going to be the one? Hell no, because I make too much fun of the fucking... I make a lot of fun at the host that hosts that 1 versus 100 shit, but hey, you never know. Maybe the kid will get a shot one day. Um couple of other numbers Robbie Bach put out. Over 1 million new friend connections have been made since the launch of Facebook on Xbox Live. And members created more than 1.6 million new accounts on Last.fm streaming almost half a billion minutes of music. Once again, really big accomplishments. But one of the things that bothers me with the integration to Facebook is the fact that if you're getting achievements on your Xbox, Facebook isn't putting them up. There's no setting to put the achievements on Facebook. Lately, I've been having to use Raptor, or I've been using the Xbox Live uh, Facebook app. If you're going to integrate social networking into the Xbox, whether it's Twitter or Facebook, then why can't you allow settings to, you know, post achievements? You know, what the fuck is that? It's like, it's really cool that your friends are on Facebook that are also on Xbox Live, but it would be even cooler if you can just fucking have your achievements post. But I've been using Raptor, which is really cool. Um, R-A-P-T-R, if you want to check it out, I'm on there as raptor.com slash akuma25. You can add me as a friend or whatever, whatever the fuck you want to do. Um, They're actually doing a really good job of integrating uh, your achievements as well for the PC, Steam, PlayStation 3, and Xbox Live, and you actually are able to post them either on social networking sites like Facebook or on Twitter. So definitely... um, Microsoft needs to get their shit together because the fact that I have to use a third-party app or possibly play the game on my PS3 is is ridiculous considering that you guys have the more superior quote-unquote live experience. They also took the opportunity during that announcement to debut a new feature called the Xbox Game Room. The new feature is set to debut in the spring and it's going to allow your avatar to walk around a virtual arcade that either you or your friends own and compete on high score leaderboards. It's really cool because the arcade is going to have a lot of arcade classics. It's going to have a really old school, it's going to have an old school retro feel to it. You're going to get 30 original arcade console classics like Centipede, Asteroids Deluxe um, from Atari, as well as favorite, you know, old school games from Activision, Intellivision, Konami, all shown on their original cabinets. One of the things I really like is the fact that you can either play one game or you can buy um, a copy of the game that you can play on the Xbox and on the PC. In addition, you can have it where you can actually buy basically a virtual quarter and play a virtual, you know, a virtual quarter game. So you don't have to buy the whole game, but you can do a virtual quarter and play it that way, which I really think is a pretty cool innovation. I, I want to see a little bit more of it. I have some video footage that I'll probably put up tonight on mytakeradio.com after the show, and I think that it's something very promising, especially if you've got a lot of friends that can play, you know, some of those old arcade games, but 
one of the things that continues to bother bother me is the fact that you're doing all these different things, and I go back to the thing with Netflix and the party the party viewing, which you know it's cool that you can do it with Netflix members. But what if your friend or you know some of your friends don't have a Netflix account? They're not able to enjoy that. Why can't they come into a um of a movie viewing that you host and allow you to you know and watch the movie with you? I think that's one of those things that they kind of dropped the ball on. I've sent a lot of Twitter messages to Major Nelson, who is on Twitter, as well as other people from Microsoft, just voicing that little gripe, and no one gives me any fucking mind. So, and nobody pays me any fucking attention. So unless I do something really extreme, like go over there to Redmond, Washington, and shit on someone's desk, I don't think they're going <laughs> to give me any play. Nonetheless, the uh, game room is going to be free to be – it's going to be a free download – you can buy the games once to play on both the 360 and the PC for 400 points, or you could purchase the game for one platform, you know, either the 360 or the PC for 240 points, or you can put what they call single games by dropping two quarters in a slot, which is for 40 Microsoft points. The breakdown is going to be, it's going to be either, of course, one or two players, uh, it's going to have 1080p graphics, in-game Dolby Digital, there will be voice chat, Avatar support, online multiplayer, one to two player, cross-platform leaderboards, and cross-platform achievements, which are really crazy. So I definitely am looking forward to that. I want to see how it's going to look live because, you know, everything that they put from video footage is going to look cute. But, you know, I want to see the actual interface and I want to interact with it myself to give a full assessment. But in theory, it sounds really cool. And it it can't be a game room with arcade games if you don't add Pong. There has to be some Pong in there. So anybody from Microsoft that's listening or may be listening, please throw some Pong in there so we could uh, take it really way back. Uh, CES also put out the news that Microsoft confirmed that the Project Natal slash Project Natal, whatever you want to call it, will be launched in time for the 2010 holiday season. Uh Right now, it's the code name for the controller, and no price point has been announced. But everybody knew that it was going to come out for the holidays for the simple fact that THQ and Ubisoft both mentioned that they were working on titles that would be available in 2010. Of course, it, it's not an Xbox-only event at CES, but Sony took the opportunity, of course, to you know swing their dicks around and say, oh, we sold a whole bunch of consoles, too. SCE President Kaz Harai announced that 3.8 million PS3 consoles were sold in December 2009. Of those, 1.7 million were sold in North America. This as compared to 710,000 sales in November. That's a really big increase. Also of note, there are now over 38 million registered PSN accounts worldwide, which is pretty badass. I, you know, the thing with them is the fact that they're finally starting to gain a foothold, but it just seems that Microsoft has just ran off with the fucking ball. And the Wii also, for all intents and purposes, has been putting a big dent in Sony's profits. But Sony has a couple of things in their favor. The Blu-ray capability is definitely a plus for their system. Just because those of us that are out there getting Blu-ray player, dedicated Blu-ray players... um. We, don't, we won't have to. 
I mean, I, I only watch Blu-rays on my PS3. I mean, I, I was going to get a dedicated Blu-ray player because it had, you know, Netflix and Pandora and shit like that. But they added Netflix to the PS3. I'm more than sure they're going to add some sort of music streaming in the near future. So, you know, Sony's well on its way to making the PS3 the complete media center system. The only thing that they need to continue to work on is their media streaming capabilities, and I think that the PS3 is going to be a definite centerpiece in anybody's home entertainment center. So definitely props to Sony for making a little damage this holiday season. Moving down through the rest of the game news, for those of you that are fans of Phoenix Wright, uh, you'll be able to play Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney on WiiWare next Monday. It's going to cost 1,000 Wii points. Um... It's going to be one of those games that you're either really a fan of or have never heard of. I've seen Phoenix Wright a little bit before, and not my speed, but I'm more than sure that those of you that are casual gamers that have played it before will definitely be jumping right into it. Um, last month, I made a, a brief mention that EA Sports was going to be releasing a new game in January. Well, ESPN says that an EA Sports source... Uh, confirmed that the game that EA Sports will be releasing is going to be none other than NBA Jam. whoop the fucking do Thanks, EA. Another rehashed franchise for you to rape viciously. The only thing that I hope EA does is that it allows, you know, those weirdo NBA Jam characters that we all know and love to be in there. Otherwise, it's and it's only going to be on the Wii, based on what I'm reading. It's going to be a Wii-exclusive title, um... And it's not a re-release. It's going to be a brand new full game. The only thing that I think is going to be really cool is just the fact that those of us that, you know, the newer generation that have never played NBA Jam are going to be introduced to a fucking freak show. Before there was NBA Street, there was NBA Jam, which, of course, borrowed a lot of things from Arch Rivals, but we're not going to get into that. Um, Japanese outlet Impress Watch reported that Sony is considering several design options for the PlayStation 4. One such option would be to scrap the, the cell processor completely and move towards a traditional PC multi-core processor. They're considering a new modified version of the cell processor as well as an Intel Larrabee chipset. The PS4 is most likely not going to be released until 2012 because it, as it takes two years for consoles to go from concept to full production. Now... I think that Sony's making a mistake moving into a traditional multi-core processor. The cell processor has not been maximized to its fullest potential. Numerous game developers have, con have confirmed in various interviews that it, the cell processor is so powerful that they're not even they, – they haven't fully harnessed its potential. And you're going to go and not harness that processor and move on to – a multi-core PC processor, I think that that's a step in the wrong direction. Um, you know, especially with Sony walking around touting that with a firmware update, the PlayStation 3 is going to be able to get 3D gaming as well as 3D broadcasts. You're going to need a processor of just substantial proportions to change um, or convert regular games as well as regular downloadable content into 3D, and I honestly think that the cell processor is the only type of processor to do that. You're talking about a processor that's bought by the fucking military. You know, that processor's been used for supercomputers, all kinds of shit. 
You know, for all intents and purposes, your PS3 is like one of many versions of Skynet. It's ridiculous, the, the power of that processor, and Sony's going to once again take a step back. Oh, let's go and do, you know, this shit instead of going forth and putting in, you know, a processor that is probably less powerful than the cell. I honestly would like to see the cell processor maximized even more so with the 3D gaming, which, you know, is the new buzzword at CES with the, you know, they debuted a lot of 3D TVs. They also debuted uh, these ridiculous 3D glasses that will come with them. The fact of the matter is that 3D gaming is definitely the future, but one thing that conf- that concerns me is the fact that it's it's going to require more shit. Like, in order for you to enjoy the 3D experience, you're going to need the fucking glasses. And, of course, with the, with the necessity of the glasses is the necessity for you to spend more money. Most of these new TV manufacturers have already said that new televisions that have 3D capabilities will come with, quote-unquote, two pairs of glasses. Any additional pairs are going to cost between 45 to $100, depending on the quality of the glasses, depending on the TV and the manufacturer. Some of the TVs that are being sold currently have gone on to say that their TVs will not be obsolete because they will be able to get a firmware update to allow 3D programming. Of course, you can also get the 3D stuff now on the PS3, quote-unquote, but they didn't debut anything at CES. I think 3D technology, while it is promising, is just another excuse and another peripheral to rip people off. The fact that you got to buy a pair of 3D glasses that, for all intents and purposes, cost as much as a PS3 controller to enjoy 3D programming is a bit ridiculous, but, you know, if you want to move this 3D shit forward, I'm assuming that raping people's pocket with the glasses is going to be ridiculous as well. That being said... That's going to wrap up the gaming forum, and we're going to talk some movies. Of course, we can't talk about movies this week without talking about Avatar. Avatar is all over the fucking place. These little blue faggots are everywhere. People on the internet painting themselves blue. People wearing the fucking costumes, photoshopping themselves to look like the poster. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Let me tell you something. And I'm not shitting on the movie, because I haven't seen it. I've heard good things. I've heard bad things. You know, it's one of those, it's a love-hate relationship. But, here's the thing. Why are you painting yourself blue before the movie comes out? I actually got a photo from someone of a person who was so excited for the Avatar film. Mind you, this person's photo was uploaded months before the movie came out, that they painted themselves blue. It's ridiculous. Why would you go and do some shit like that? It's absurd. It is absurd. I think that if you're a fan of a movie, and I've said this in previous broadcasts, if you're a fan of, you know, Twilight, Harry Potter, you know, niche movie, Star Trek, Star Wars, it's fine. Nothing wrong with it, nothing wrong with being passionate about a movie that is out or a a franchise that's been in existence. 
How are you painting yourself blue, you bunch of fucking retards, if the movie's not out yet? Oh my god, it's going to be the greatest movie ever. Look, it's a modern-day version of Pocahontas slash Fern Gully slash Aliens slash 5,000 other adventure flicks that we've seen. Once again, not shitting on the movie, just shitting on what the fans are doing to this franchise already. But, with that being said, to open the news this week, of course, James Cameron has confirmed that he is planning on making an Avatar trilogy. And he went on to state that there will be another. There. He will be do a trilogy, and it's going to be another movie. So... There you go, folks. Trilogy, sequel, well, sequel, and trilogy. Of course, continuing with the theme of Avatar, Avatar has now become the second highest grossing movie of all time, surpassing Lord of the Rings Return of the King on the all-time list. The film has now grossed $1.1 billion worldwide since being released December 18th. Now, the big question is, can it surpass Titanic, which stands at $1.8 billion? That is some crazy shit. Here are, as of December, you know, as of January 7th, these are the top five movie, the highest grossing films of all time. Titanic is number one with $1.8 billion. Avatar is number two, $1.1 billion. The Lord of the Rings Return of the King is 1.119 billion. Pirates of the Caribbean, 1.66 billion. The Dark Knight, 1.1 billion dollars. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. James Cameron is pretty much on the verge of outdoing himself with this movie. Which, whatever, it's props to him, it's fucking insane. But that is serious fucking money. And on top of the fact that if you look at the cast of that movie, there is really no one in there who commands a huge salary. Like Sam Worthington, yeah, he's the lead, but they ain't paying him a lot of money. Michelle Rodriguez, not a lot of money. Sigourney Weaver, not a lot of money. It, it's ridiculous how much money they're making. It's, it's insane. It is insane. Moving on. Look at, the, you know, in keeping with the Avatar theme, we got to complete it with, of course, this weekend's box office numbers. Of course, Avatar was number one with $68.3 million. Uh, Sherlock Holmes was number two with 38.3. The sequel to Alvin and the Chipmunks was number three. It's Complicated was number four. The Blind Side was number five with $12.6 million. It's made $209 million already, so it's definitely successful. Up in the Air was number six. The Princess and the Frog was seven. Did you hear about the Morgans, which did you hear about this movie being a piece of shit, is number eight. Nine, not nine with the, with the Sackboy puppets, but nine with a whole bunch of fucking nobodies, is uh, $4.2 million. And Invictus rounded it up with number 10 at $4.1 million. Now, again... Great, you know, that Avatar is so successful. Um, Sherlock Holmes is a great movie. I'm surprised that Sherlock Holmes is still holding on to number two. 
But, you know, January and February are usually kind of quiet with movies, so I definitely see the box office numbers jumping back and forth between Avatar and Sherlock Holmes for at least the next two weeks. Um, unless something bigger comes along to take Avatar out, it's not going to happen. Um, Darksiders was released on Tuesday, along with Bayonetta. I've been playing Darksiders, great game. Of course, from Tuesday to now, there's already talk of a Darksiders movie. Already. It's, it's ridiculous. Uh, Joe Maduero recently spoke to VG247, and he went on to state that he, they have gotten some interest from Hollywood, and they've also discussed a comic series. Um, it's really a THQ thing, he went on to say, but I know they're definitely talking to people, and I, would be, I wouldn't be surprised if some stuff didn't happen. Um, for those of you that don't know, Darksiders is an apocalyptic action-adventure game where you take on the role of war and journey across a really fucked-up version of Earth to f solve a mystery of why the apocalypse was falsely triggered. Um, thus far, I'll take the opportunity and give you a little mini-review. I like what I've played. Really, get, get, really great game. Don't get me wrong, a lot of people are going to say it's not, it's not a game that reinvents the wheel. You know, it borrows a lot of elements from a lot of great games that share that same type of gameplay. But overall, I'm definitely enjoying it. I'm hoping to possibly finish it by next week so I can give a full review. Um, in relation to that, um, once I finish the game and play through it completely, I will have Hayden Dalton and or Ran Handawa from the Darksiders team back on to give them my thoughts as well as my review of the game and to pick their brain about anything else that's being worked on for Darksiders, whether it be downloadable content or um, a sequel or to confirm any of these movie rumors for a game that has been out two fucking days. All right. All right. Let me breathe and move on. Um, 20th Century Fox confirmed through Variety, which I read earlier today, that they are going to proceed with the Deadpool spinoff. Ryan Reynolds will be playing Deadpool. Uh, the writers from Zombieland, Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick, will be doing the screenplay for Deadpool. I mean, the guys really did great writing for Zombieland. Zombieland was really amusing, and I think that that particular style of writing benefits a character like Deadpool just because he's a, uh, you know, he's pretty cool looking. And not even that, but he's, you know, the, like I said, Woody Harrelson's dialogue from Zombieland, I see being delivered by Deadpool, like, really funny inside jokes and shit like that. So I, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what these guys from Zombieland are going to do with Deadpool, considering that they've also worked on a draft for a Venom movie spinoff, which is another thing that has been on and off for the last few months. Variety also reported that the go-ahead for Green Lantern is also going on. So Ryan Reynolds will finish Deadpool and go into Green Lantern or start Green Lantern and go into Deadpool. But needless to say, Ryan Reynolds is going to be making a lot of fucking money. That's all I got to say. But nonetheless, um, Variety also decided to give me a shitload of news, uh, one of which is that Spider-Man 4 is now, quote-unquote, in development hell. Sam Raimi's thinking that the movie will miss its May 11, 2001 release date. Aw, oh, shucks. Uh, the problem is that Sam Raimi's having issues with the script, and there's also the fact that he is having issues with Sony. In addition, um, 
you know, Raimi did confirm that John Malkovich he was going to play the vulture. Um, he did not say that Anne Hathaway was going to play the black cat or the female vulture, thank God. But Sony, of course, capitalizing on the success of Avatar, is contemplating filming Spider-Man 4 in 3D, which would add to some of the delays. Now, of course, usually around this time when I discuss Spider-Man, I go into this lengthy, lengthy, lengthy fucking diatribe of shit. But you know what? It's a new year. I'm going to try and keep the rage a little bit under control. But the reasoning for this issue with Spider-Man 4 stems from the fact that Sony wants Sam Raimi to go with whatever villain is hot right now in Spider-Man comics as the antagonist for Spider-Man 4. Sam Raimi, on the other hand, would have liked to use classic Spider-Man villains that have existed since the beginning, and while they may not be the best guys to use, or the guys that fit. Originally, I found this out today, was the fact that Sam Raimi had wanted Sandman and the Vulture in Spider-Man 3, and the fact is that they wanted those two guys in Spider-Man 3, and Sony said, look, you need to put Venom in there, it's going to be great for the marketing, it's going to be great for the promotions, it's going to be... It, you know, Sony twisted Sam Raimi's arm to put Venom in the movie. Of course, that leads me, you know, that leads to the uh, statement I made before that he put Venom in and fucked him up on purpose. So, let the guy, if the guy just wants to do the Vulture and Black Cat or the Vulture and just some regular villains, let him do it. Because it obviously is something that the guy's passionate about. I think that when he had full control of Spider-Man, which I really want to say was in part one and in part two, part one and two were some of the some of the best stories told for Spider-Man on the silver screen. I honestly think that Spider-Man 2 was one of the better ones. I mean, a lot of people are going to say that Dr. Octopus was, you know, eh, eh, he was good, bad, but the fact is that he um, he wanted to go that route and not you know, not the fucking, the emo Peter Parker. All of that shit stemmed from the fact that Sony wanted Venom in the movie. And I, I gotta kind of take it back a little bit and not give Sam Raimi some shit, because now that I know that, you know, the whole emo Spider-Man thing, yeah, he put it on film and he fucking co-signed to it, but if Sony wouldn't have told him put Venom in the movie, I wouldn't have had to see the stupid abomination that is emo Spider-Man. So, the fact is that let Raimi handle the film the way it needs to be handled. It's going to make money. Let the, let the Spider-Man stories progress as they should. You know, you got the Green Goblin, you got Dr. Octopus, you did the Sandman, you got to go with the classic guys, you got to go with the Vulture or Black Cat or Craven the Hunter, or Morbius, or Scorpion. Not for nothing, I actually think that Scorpion and the Vulture would be really cool villains for the next Spider-Man movie, especially, you know, they already play up the beef between Spider-Man and J. Jonah Jameson in all the movies, so you can easily have something happen where J. Jonah Jameson hires Matt Gargan, and Scorpion happens, and all that shit. I honestly think that it would be it would be really cool to go that route. Unfortunately, you know, I have I have no control over this shit and neither does anyone else, but I'm seeing a trend here that if Sony continues to stick their hands in, Spider-Man 4 is going to be another fucking fail fest. That's it. It's going to be Spider-Man fail instead of Spider-Man 4. 
period. But I do like the concept of the movie being in 3D because it's going to be one of those things that can really make um, a Spider-Man movie look awesome, especially when you do scenes where he's swinging through the city, any of the fights with the bad guys. All of that in 3D would be ridiculous, especially if you do IMAX and 3D. It's going to be a fucking problem. So we'll see what happens. We'll be talking about that over the next few weeks. Um, one movie I haven't talked about in a while is The Expendables, which I discussed, I'd say, earlier in My Take Radio's infancy. Um, the Expendables, for those of you that you don't, for those of you that don't know, is going to be considered one of the quote-unquote ultimate action movies, and it's going to have the following actors, and this is why it's considered the ultimate guy movie. It's going to have Sylvester Stallone, Jason Statham, Jet Li, Mickey Rourke, Terry Crews, Randy Couture, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Eric Roberts, Dolph Lundgren, uh, Charisma Carpenter's in it also, as well as the late Brittany Murphy. Uh, basically, the premise for the movie is that Stil- Sylvester Stallone is going to lead a group of mercenaries um, broken down into Jason Statham, Jet Li, Terry Crews, and Randy Couture um, to take out some sort of dictator that's going to be played by Eric Roberts. Dolph Lundgren's going to be one of the bad guys, as is Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, the reason that I'm giving this little recap is because the Daily Mail reported that Sylvester Stallone um, had to have a plate inserted into his neck because while he was filming a fight scene with Stone Cold, he said that the fight was so vicious that he ended up getting a hairline fracture in his neck, and he had to have a metal plate put in. So definitely a lot of crazy shit going on on the set of The Expendables, and, uh, you know, definitely glad that Stallone didn't fucking kill himself, but crazy that he filmed the fight scene with Stone Cold and now has a plate in his neck. You know, of course, there were a lot of jokes when I was talking about it with some of my friends because they were asking if Stone Cold gave him the Stone Cold stunner, but... Uh, nonetheless, I think it was definitely amusing to hear that crazy shit like that happens during these retro action flicks that are being filmed. There are rumors also that there may be appearances by Jean-Claude Van Damme, of course, another action hero staple, and Steven Seagal, as well as Bruce Willis. All of these are rumors, but it would definitely uh, be cool to see all these retro action dudes pop up in this movie. So definitely cool to see that. Uh, Sylvester Stallone, get better. Don't stop taking stunners from Stone Cold, please. So you can keep making fucking weirdo movies. Um, and of course, to wrap up the movie news, wow, I ra- I ran through the show this week. Um, there's already a sequel being discussed for Sherlock Holmes. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Jude Law will be back. And Guy Ritchie went on to believe, uh, went on to state that the villain will be the Professor Moriarty, which is of course, a staple in the Sherlock Holmes mythology, which is fantastic, but the crazy thing is that Guy Ritchie would like to get Brad Pitt to play Professor Moriarty. I think that Brad Pitt playing uh, Moriarty would be really cool. I think that the chemistry that Robert Downey Jr. has with his co-stars in all the the movies he's done recently works well on film. You know, you can kind of tell that him and Jude Law were really cool while filming the movie because it just translated well onto screen. And the fact is that, you know, Moriarty's character is pretty much the, it's Sherlock Holmes as a villain, complete, you know, super smart, you know, resourceful. And Brad Pitt fits 
that mold on top of the fact that, you know, Brad Pitt worked with Guy Ritchie before in Snatch, which is another great movie. And I think that seeing him in that role would be really good. It would give, um, you know, Brad Pitt another another memorable role under his belt, you know, besides the gypsy that he played in Snatch and death in Joe Black. And, you know, the list goes on of memorable roles that he had. Um, of course, Aldo Rain in the um, Inglorious Bastards. But I, I Sherlock Holmes, from what I've seen, because I haven't gone to see it yet, looks like a really good movie. Um, a lot of people who I've spoken to have seen it and said that it's going to be just really badass. And, you know, I'm going to go see it probably in two weeks. I'm just waiting for a lot of the hype to die down and just the fact that, you know, there were so many holidays, there were a lot of fucking kids around. So I'm going to try and go see Sherlock Holmes and go see Avatar so I can give you uh, my reviews. And with that being said, the lines were fairly quiet, which is ridiculous. But I think that's actually the the show for this week because I didn't have a lot of news. Got to definitely give out a few shout-outs. Before I hang, I hang it up for the evening. Um, of course, uh, shout-outs to Hayden and Ran Handawa from Vigil Games, who, of course, were on the show to promote, promote Darksiders. You can get more information by going to Darksiders.com, or you can go to Hayden Dalton's blog, which is HaydenDalton.wordpress.com, H-A-Y-D-N, Dalton, D-A-L-T-O-N, dot WordPress.com. Um, Han Randawa also has a site that's under construction, but um, once I get it, I will put the link. Um, of course, shout out to Rachel from MMAHotStuff.com, who will be on the show probably next week to discuss her newest project. Uh, shout out to Mr. MMA. He's a really cool dude. He'll probably be on in the coming weeks to hang out and talk a little MMA with us. Brooks Macbeth, of course. Um, one of our earlier guests who did voice work on Brutal Legend, stand-up comedian, just awesome dude. I'm definitely looking to have him back soon. Check him out on myspace.com slash brooksmcbeth. Um, if you're on Facebook, find him on my friends list. You can send him a friend's request. Shout out to the crew at vgnradio.com. Kevin and crew have um, taken the opportunity to uh, start a forum for My Take Radio on their site and it's really cool that they did because, you know, I was really unsure of the whole forum thing. But now that my show has a forum, I don't know if we're going to be using it, but it's, uh, what the hell? Do we got to go to one till the call? I'm looking at the phone lines. It seems that something's going on with the switchboard because I'm getting people saying that they're trying to call in and I'm refreshing the switchboard and I don't see any callers. The only people I see are on hold and they haven't pressed the number one. So I don't see their hands raised. And I think that they're probably listening to the show on their phones. I definitely, I think I, that's Dave from Denver on one line. Ah, we got a one up. Let's see who it is. You're on the air. Hey, it's Arcady. I am the most fail. <laughs> Why is that? You, you, were, you were listening to the show on the phone and didn't press one. Did you? I didn't push one. No. Nice. Before I didn't have to do that. <laughs> yeah, well, what's going on? Not too much, not too much. I was, um, all right, well, you were talking about Avatar, so that's why I was calling in, and that's how long I've been waiting. Wow. <laughs> all right, anyway. So, 
I went to go see Avatar because a friend of mine says, oh, you have to see it. It's such an experience. And I was hearing everybody talking about it. Like, all right, fine. They make it sound it. like Woodstock. It's an experience. I know. <laughs> well, I mean, what the fuck is had, that? We had to see it in IMAX, too. I mean, we had to because that was the only way to see the movie. Jesus. Which in, immediately went with red flags with me because if you need pretty special effects, you're usually taking away from a storyline. Aha. So that's that was my first, you know, but I say white flag should have been red flag. Red anyway, flag. so I go to see the film, and I'm one of these people that like the genuine stories, you know, from beginning to end. You know, trilogies, eh, you know, if it's done well, fine, but, you know, give me a good story any day, I'll be happy. Avatar, to me, struck me as I've seen it before. You know, whether I read it in a comic book or saw it in something else, like Fern Gully. <laughs> yep. Fern, definitely Fern Gully. Definitely Pocahontas. And yeah, I mean, I don't know why everyone's so crazy about this film. Well, the reason for that is, is you know, the few people that I've talked to that have actually seen it, I had a buddy of mine, he, he waited online for an hour and 45 minutes to go and mm -hmm. see this movie. And he said, look, when you go in there and you pay the money to see it in IMAX and you pay the money to see it in 3D, they really took the time to film the movie in such a way that the effects just are mind-blowing. Oh, did it's say, fun he, to watch. Yeah, he was like, but once you strip that away, the story's basically every other story that you've read. You know, good guy works with the bad guys, bad guys try to kill you know, villagers, villagers revolt against bad guys, good guy turns on bad guys, becomes, sides with the villagers, kills the bad guys. It's, it's the same cliched HBO action film, you know, regular Joe movie that we've seen, feel-good picture that's come along during the past, you know, 20-some-odd years, even longer, of course. And the Pretty fact much. is, you know, the fact is that, you know, the special effects made the movie good. And, we can go into the same thing with Transformers. You got a lot of people that were like, look, the special effects made the movie awesome. The story sucked. Sadly, I have to agree in some respects. But same thing, same thing with Avatar. You know, when you look at it, it's basically every movie you've seen. Now, if you go in there saying to yourself, eh, you know, it's going to be like every other movie, you're going to enjoy it. If you go in there expecting fucking William Shakespeare storytelling, then you're in for a fucking... Big, big, big load of disappointment. Yeah, and when I heard this guy was working on this the, the script for for what twenty years, is that what yeah. they were saying? Yeah, they were That's saying he was working on it for years. It's yeah. It's like if you're long, if you were working on this shit for twenty years, I'd hate to see your mediocre stuff. I'm saying <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. But um, I mean, it's I it's one of those. The... Go ahead. Oh, go on. No, you're fine. Go on. No, what I was gonna say was the fact that. Strider posted in the forums, he said Avatar equals The Last Samurai. I hadn't even thought of that, because it's true. It's like The Last Samurai was the same thing. The guy, you know, was with the bad guys. Oh, you're going to live with the good guys for a little bit. Oh, wow, the good guys aren't so bad. The bad guys are the bad The good guys are the bad guys, blah, blah, blah. Let's kill them. End of movie. You know what I think the movie does, too? It taps into that weird, you know, human ability that we all have. Like, you know, when we see things that are, like, I don't know, lush and green and foresty, you know. It, it taps into something like, oh, wait, that could have been us. 
Yep. We should save, you know, I mean, it's, it's like that kind of thing, too. And I think that, that also taps into the people who were wearing blue makeup for, you know, some time before the film even came out because they knew what it was going to be about, you know, and it was going to be all ethereal and blah, 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 and yeah. No. Avatar, anybody who says that the movie is 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 what it is, it, I don't know. Like, it, it doesn't do it for me. Not at all. Well, you know what's funny? It was the thing that people were so excited at the concept. And one thing that I always notice, especially with a lot of newer movies that are special projects, there's always some sort of hidden message that, that, that gets conveyed that people don't see. You know, District 9 was, you know, the message about racism and equality and understanding of your quote-unquote fellow man or lobster face alien, however you want to look at it. Um... Same thing with Avatar, you know, it was just the fact that, you know, you, they wanted you to appreciate those that were different than you and protect your environment and take care of your environment so that it can, quote-unquote, take care of you. The messaging that was in there was, you know, real subconscious, real subliminal, but a lot of people that watch movies and look beyond the special effects, they came back and they're like, dude, this movie was a giant public service announcement to save trees. <laughs> And that's, it's ridiculous, it's funny, but it's like, wow, if that's what I'm going to watch, it's like, why don't you just make a fucking CGI movie of Smokey the Bear? It'll be there that much go. easier. But overall, did you feel... James did you Cameron, feel you 20, I was going to say James Cameron for 20 years is telling us to save the trees. He probably is, that's probably <laughs> it. But But honestly, did you feel you got your money's worth? You know... How much do we pay for rides at Universal Studios? You know what I mean? It's like the, 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 the 3D uh, Spider-Man experience, you know, for us to get in and experience that, this, that, and the other, everything else is 3D. Eh, sure. <laughs> is, is it going to you know, occupy space on my DVD shelf when, when it comes out? No. No? I'll tell you this, no. though. You got, it, for those of us that have a Blu-ray, that movie is going to be the fucking shit on Blu-ray. And oh, it better I'm come, sure it is. It better come with fucking glasses. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. It better come with glasses, and if the PS3 has the fucking 3D update by then, I better be watching little blue fucks jump out at the screen, because that's the only way people say you have to watch it. It, it. it honestly is. I mean, and that's kind of sad. Like Kind of like uh, Beowulf. When that came out on iBags 3D, that was yeah. fun to watch, too. The movie was ass, but it was fun to watch. Eh. You know, you try and do period pieces, it's destined for failure. But overall, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you got something out of it, you know? Yeah, I got some eye candy. It was fine. <laughs> All right. Well, on top of that, while I have you on, thank you for the uh, art contest submission, and, you know, we're going to discuss something else sooner. So, so um, I hear. Uh, that sounds like a plan. All right. Thank you. No problem. Talk to you later, man. All right, we got some callers in. See who we got here. Yo, what's up? What's going on, man? Uh, not much. I just have a little bit of something to say about Avatar. Not so much going on the fact that it's a CG movie that's meant to be watched as such. But just to mention something that could have been done to save the story a little bit that I found on the Internet that, um, yeah, it would have saved the story a lot, actually. What's um, that? It goes back to before, to before it was called Avatar when... Uh, but it's called Project 880, 
and there's I'm I'm looking at the details on the original stripment, and it's like there's so many like plot points that could have made this movie so much better that they just took out and decided to replace with stuff that was more modern and and could relate to us. Like of course, like a lot of movies these days, if you can relate to it, then people can enjoy the movie better. But I think that if they just generally would stick to whatever stories they can come up with in the beginning and then not change too much, then then they could definitely make a better movie overall. Like, this movie didn't have too good of a story. Of course, it's like a unanimous decision against most people have seen it. But I'm reading this, this like, plot comparison between Project 880 and Avatar, which is, like, the before and after, and 880 sounds, like, so much better. But I can go in and tell you some details if you want. Well, you know what? Before you do that, i got to ask you this. When you looked at both comparisons, did you did you feel that they pretty much gutted 880 and threw it together to create Avatar, or do you feel that they just omitted a good a portion of stuff? You know, how sometimes you they tell you give me the short version of the story, and you omit so much, you omit so many things that by the time you tell people the story, it's like that's it. Did you feel that that it w- it would have been unfulfilled? Based on based on what you saw, you know, where you left, like, wow, this this is all the shit I missed, or. Well, like, when I first saw it, I had no idea that there was there were details cut out. So when I saw it, I felt like I was I got I got the complete version. But now that I see these details, I know that like all the details that they cut out could have definitely made for a different story altogether, and that like now we're getting like a different shorter version that's been like modified pretty much like it's, it's it's like you're telling your friends a story and you're just changing details to make it sound more interesting ah do you think that it's stuff that might have been filmed that we'll see on on a home release or do you uh, think this is just stuff that got cut out it's just stuff that's cut out because it's, it's a lot of big stuff that like 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 uh, all right like on the original star or the star wars prequel trilogy like every single dvd release they came out with for that they they re- they filmed and finished and completely completed the, the extra deleted scenes that they, they sometimes they would throw them back into the movie and sometimes they would just keep in deleted scenes. But they were completed scenes. Now, right. If they were to do that with, with this, with Avatar, the scenes would be like 10 minutes, 15 minutes long. Jesus. And plus you would have to like interlay some back into the movie because some of these details in the scenes, you'd have to throw in some, some parts in the middle, some parts at the end. Like it's just there, there was a lot cut out that would have just given it more meat pretty much. Well, you know what? What the three? Did you watch it in 3D and in IMAX, or did you watch it yeah, regular? I saw it, I saw it at Tropicana Atlantic City. IMAX nice. Nice. Look at you balling. Now, <laughs> based on that, did you feel that the that that movie can only be enjoyed like that in 3D and with that type of a presentation, or do you feel that when it's released at home, that the presentation can be just as good with the you know with the right things included? I think that without 3D, it could be enjoyed like 80% of what it would be enjoyed for 3D. Because honestly, I thought the 3D during the action scenes was amazing, but outside of scenes that were completely CG, I couldn't really tell I was watching 3D. Like any any scene where they were walking walking around in the uh, in the ship or in the base or whatever, I couldn't tell it was 3D unless they had some kind of a CG computer screen pop up or something. Oh so shit! I, I kind of lost that that detail of, of 3D. And it seems that weren't completely rendered like all in the forest with the with the Navi running around. Well, I think that you know, the considering that now it is the highest grossing movie of all time, well, second highest, I have a feeling that it will surpass 
Titanic before the month is over. Um, Do you think that the money that it's made is warranted or based on the quality of the movie or just the hype machine behind it? I think it's the hype machine behind it and the fact that the IMAX 3D ticket price is higher. Because, like, if everyone's saying that you have to see an IMAX 3D, and no matter what I've seen, it's always sold out in every IMAX theater I've, I've checked out, then they're definitely pulling in a shit ton of money that way. Ah, that makes sense. See, that's why I've been I've been meaning to ask somebody who'd seen it just for the, for that explanation. You know, if, if the experience can only can only be enjoyed in a in a three D presentation, and based on what you're saying, that three D is integral to this movie's success. And how much did you end up having to pay for your tickets? Thirteen dollars. Holy shit! Yeah, that is yeah. that is definitely more. Because mm-hmm. I I've heard there's yeah, some places that charge fifteen to twenty. So. Yeah, again, considering that I could have seen a matinee in a non-3D theater for like five bucks, then yeah, thirteen is a bit much. Wow, that's crazy, dude. All right. Yeah, and um, well, one other thing I want to say before we go is that since now that I know they're making a trilogy out of this, like these details from Project 880, I can see that that it would disappoint me greatly if they didn't at least go into some of these details in the, in the next movies. Because there's a lot of stuff, a lot of like a lot of information about the planet of Pandora and and just just things behind the lore. That could have that could be going into further. Well, I'm surprised that if the movie has such a deep storyline that they didn't from jump say, "Hey, man, this is this has to be a trilogy. This has to be told in completion." I always get annoyed at the fact that they say, "Oh yeah, we're gonna make a sequel because the movie was so successful." It's like if the movie's meant to be set told as a trilogy, you gotta you gotta man up and say, "Look, man, this movie's a trilogy." And go in it, go in all the way, because what happens is, like you said, there's going to be an incomplete presentation. And if people have seen what you've seen regarding the 880 project, they're going to be like, "What about this? What about this? What about that?" And if it's only one film, they're going to be bitter. But now that you know the prospect of a trilogy is you know becoming more and more prevalent, I think that it's going to be something that's going to be. They're probably going to take a lot of the stuff that was left out and add it in there. Yeah, I think that when when they went through and chopped up the storyline to to make it fit a, a shorter time period for the for the first movie, I think that James Cameron all along had a plan that he wanted to make it a trilogy, but he didn't know how successful the first one would be. He pretty much pulled a George Lucas with Star Wars on this one because Lucas made the first movie and he had the second two already pretty much in his head, but he didn't think he was going to make it past the first movie. And this is pretty much what Avatar is doing. Like they, he he knew that this this project was it was make or break for him because he spent 20 years on it. And it's like, if you do a great work of art, if everyone hates it, then you're like, okay, well, then I'm never going to make a work of art that big again. It's like, it's a big spirit breaker. And now that he has all the money in the world now because of this movie, he he can do what he wants to do now. And I think he can put all the details that he cut out back in. Because it would, it, would, it would kill me if I were to write a story and have to publish it with, like, five chapters missing or something like that. Well, that's a good way to look at it. I never, you know, I didn't, well, until until I found out it was a trilogy today, you know, I went based on what people told me, and a lot of people were, you know, it was more, the film was more style than substance, but your explanation definitely explains the reasoning behind it, and now, you know, I definitely want to see it, and, you know, I, I'm, I definitely want to find out the full story, so, you know, I, I definitely appreciate your, your input on that, man. Yeah, um, I just posted, like, just a second, I posted the link to the uh, comparisons in the chat room. So if you want me to, do, to put it on the forums, I will. Yeah, actually, if, if, you know, it would be a great help going to the, um, into the movie section and 
and post that up in there. It'd definitely be something that I'm more than sure will generate a lot of uh, conversation. Good, good. As long as we get some more people on, on the forums, it's good. No doubt, man. Thank you again. All right, thank you. All right, buddy. Later. Have a good one. Look at that. Ant coming in with a vengeance, just dropping knowledge on me about fucking blue cat people. You know, he, he his explanation makes me want to go out and see this shit now. Because now I really need to find out about the giant fucking tree and, oh my god, I'm in a wheelchair and now I'm a blue dude and holy shit. Like, I, I need to know what the fuck is going on now. Definitely, uh, definitely well done uh, by Ant putting us up putting us on to all this information. Um, if if and when he posts it on the MyTakeRadio.com forums, check it out and, of course, share your thoughts. Um, with that said, unless some other callers come through, i got to finish giving out the plugs like I was saying. Uh, oh, VGNRadio.com uh, created a forum for MyTakeRadio on their site as well. Um, definitely got to give thanks to Kev and Brian and the rest of the VGN crew for coming through with that and helping me out by putting the forum together. Don't know how much use it's going to get given that I created one for my take radio, but hey, you know, it, it's a great forum for their listeners to interact with you guys as well. So if you want to stop by VGNRadio.com and pop into their my take radio forum, then by all means, you're welcome to it. Um, Cleveland Sports Radio has got to get a shout out. Um, because, of course, I've been on there a few times. Born Stubborn Radio as well. And, um, of course, can't forget the one and only ocremix.org for the great music, MMA Junkie for the MMA news that they provide, 411 Mania for the wrestling news. i got to give a shout-out to uh, MySpace forum member Dem and her store, Royal Tresses. She does fantastic bead sprites. If you get a chance, head over to ETSY dot com slash shop slash royal tresses of course mma hot stuff uh rachel mma hot stuff's rachel will be here uh probably next week to discuss her newest project which is really really cool i really wanted to talk about it this week and i want to tell you guys about it so bad but it would be a huge injustice for me to do that without her here to you know explain it to you guys further but definitely stop by mmahotstuff.com and you can get some of the details or look her up on twitter uh, twitter.com slash mmahotstuff with that being said i think that is going to wrap up the show for this week and um of course let me give you all my info before i go uh twitter.com slash akuma25 to follow me personally uh, to follow all the show stuff, it's twitter.com slash mytakeradio. Um, you can also head over to the My Take Radio MySpace page. Yep, I forgot to talk about that at the beginning of the show. Uh, you can go to myspace.com slash mytakeradio. Um, of course, ask to be added as a friend. Gladly throw you in there. Um, I'm going to try and put a player on there also so that you can listen to the show on the MySpace page if you're on MySpace. Um, if you're on Facebook, go to Facebook.com and look for My Take Radio. Show your support and become a fan. And, of course, the ever-so-popular MyTakeRadio.com. You can go there or to the newly opened MyTakeRadio.com forums. MyTakeRadio.com slash forums, plural. And with that being said, I think that's going to wrap it up for this week. Um, I want to thank 
the callers that we had. And, of course, I apologize if the show was a little short. Um, I had a lot of notes. I went through them really fast. And it was just a really quiet week. And, of course, it's my first day back, so I'm a little rusty. So, of course, I apologize. And if you don't like it, fuck you. Don't listen until at least episode 30 when I got my shit back in order. Nonetheless, congratulations to Nisi. Um, get at me offline. Let me know what, how you want your prize. Do you want a gift card? Do you want it broken down in the games? Do you want it in Krugerrands, gold, Goya beans, food stamps, whatever? Definitely get at me for that. Soiled, um, I will get at you through Facebook and give you the good news because I'm more than sure that your Canadian ass is not listening to the show at this time. Nonetheless, that is going to wrap up the show for this week. Once again, thanks to all the callers. And you've been listening to My Take Radio episode 25 for Thursday, January 7th, 2010. I'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Stop by the forums, mytakeradio.com. I'm out. Peace. Radio.com. That's where you'll find our radio show. Rich, you dig it, don't you? Yeah, man. He digs it. How come you don't dig it? Fuck you. Get on the internet. BornStuffingRadio.com. Rat bastards. You know those shows where they play video game music and they laugh in like really high voices like... <laughs> well, you won't listen to that on our show. Because uh, we don't have the budget for that kind of thing. We're broke as hell. And uh, nobody really cares that much to laugh that hard. So um, if you're looking for a show like that, that has horrible audio quality and uh, void of fake laughter, Video Game News Radio, 11 p.m. Tuesday nights on all games.
Dr. John Bunk. <laughs>